Hello and welcome to Accounting Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture, we're going to talk about subsidiary ledgers. Subsidiary ledgers related to the accounts of accounts receivable and accounts payable. We will be able to, at the end of this, define an accounts receivable and accounts payable subsidiary ledger, explain the purpose and for the use of an accounts receivable and accounts payable subsidiary ledger, record transactions to an accounts receivable and accounts payable subsidiary ledger, and explain the relationship between the accounts receivable accounts payable, subsidiary ledger, the general ledger, and the trial balance. We will start off with the accounts receivable subsidiary ledger, and we're going to go through some transactions and just post these normal transactions we've seen before, looking at the revenue cycle with regard to receivables. And we're going to record these transactions not just to the trial balance and talk about the effect, but we'll also take a look at the general ledger and the subsidiary ledger. So just a brief overview. Remember, that the general ledger backs up all the accounts basically by date. So we would record these transactions by date. Then the subsidiary ledger, in the case of receivable, is not going to be in order by date. It will be in order by customer. That's going to be the idea that will be very useful, obviously, because when we need to uh, look and see who owes us money for the receivables, we need to see them by customer, not by date of transaction necessarily, by customer and by date possibly, but we need to know who owes us money so we can track down the people that owe us money, the customers that owe us money, and hopefully collect on that money. So we're going to add this transaction to it. Note that if we're in an automated system, of course, this would all be kind of done together, possibly at the point in time when we create the, inven the invoice, the bill for the customer. But when we do this manually, we want to see how all these are related. Now remember that the end balance for the general ledger will tie out to the end balance for the subsidiary ledger, which will be the end balance on the trial balance for account receivable, which will ultimately be the end balance on the financial statements. So first transaction, we're going to say we performed work on account and invoiced client Smith. All right. So we invoiced them for $35,000. We set up the invoice. What's the journal entry related to that? Well, first of all, is cash affected? No. We, what did we get? An IOU. We did work and we got an IOU. And therefore, we're going to select accounts receivable, our second favorite asset. Account receivable has a debit balance. We're going to make it go up by doing the same thing to it, which in this case would be another debit. So account receivable, we're going to start at zero. We debited it by 35000 increasing it to 35000 Now, that would actually be posted to the general ledger. So if we just think about the general ledger, we would also see the activity, a T account related to the general ledger, an account receivable, left-hand side debits, right-hand side credits. We would have a debit of 35000 that would give us a total of 35000 in the general ledger uh, account, 35000 on our trial balance. We also need to post that to the subsidiary ledger, and that's kind of the new thing. We've touched on it before, but this is kind of like the new thing. So the subsidiary ledger is in order by customer. We only have one customer at this point, Customer Smith, and therefore we're going to have a T account by customer, debits on the left, credits on the right. And once again, we're going to have the debit to Smith, giving us a total of the 35000 debit balance for Smith in the subsidiary ledger. So if we think about all this now, now we've got the general ledger has 35000 in it from that one debit. We debited the same subsidiary ledger to specific customer Smith, and that being our only customer. So if we add up all the customers, it adds up 35000 And that will be used to create the uh, trial balance, also having the amount, the amount of the 35000 in it. What's the other side of the transaction, of course? Why are people going to pay us 35000 or Smith's going to pay us specifically 35000 Because we earned it. We did work, earned it. Therefore, the credit's going to go to revenue. So we're going to say revenue is going to go up by the 35000 Revenue has a credit balance. We're going to make it go up by doing the same thing to it, which in this case would be another credit. 
Next transaction, we're going to say we receive cash on account from Client Smith for work done performed in the past. Now, of course, that's the second thing that will always happen here in our accounts receivable. At some point in the future, when we're thinking about the revenue cycle and accounts receivable cycle, we are going to have the receivable go up, and then we're going to get paid from that receivable. So in this case, we can go through our questions on the standard journal entry. We're going to say, is cash affected? And this time, yeah, it is affected because we received cash. So cash is going up. We look at our trial balance. Cash is the first account. It's an asset. It has a debit balance. We're going to make it go up by doing the same thing to it, which in this case is another debit. So cash is going to go up by the 35000 and the credit will go to what? Why are we getting paid 35000 You might be saying because we earned it, we did work and earned it. We did, but we earned it in the past, so we're not going to credit revenue here. We already credited revenue in the past. What we're going to credit this time is the receivable, meaning the receivable right under cash, that account that people owe us money, now has 35000 in it. That 35000 being paid at this point needs to go down. That's why we're going to credit the 35000 so we're going to debit cash 35,000, increase in cash, credit the receivable by 35,000, bringing the receivable back down to zero. So we had 35,000 in the receivable, it's going to go back down to zero. If we look at the activity on the general ledger then, it's in by the date. So we can think about our T account on the general ledger just for the receivable. We have a debit on the left hand side 35,000 and a credit on the right hand side 35,000 representing the invoice and then the check we got in the mail. And the balance then, those canceling out, will be zero. And then we have the same activity, though, that we're also going to post to the accounts receivable subsidiary ledger, but breaking it out by client. So instead of just having one account for the ledger here, we have accounts per client, only one of them right now being Smith, who's the one that paid us. Therefore, we got to record it within Smith's account to represent the fact that that customer no longer owes us money. So they had, if we look at Smith's specific T account within the accounts receivable subsidiary ledger, we can do the same thing. We debited 35000 when uh, they owed us money, Smith owed us money, and now we're crediting 35000 because we got a check in the mail from Smith, meaning the balance goes back down to zero. So now the general ledger has zero in it, the subsidiary ledger has zero in it, and that of course means that the trial balance will have zero in it. Let's do this again. We're going to say now we got um, a customer on account invoiced customer Adams, 14000 Therefore, what's going to happen? We did work, we sent out the invoice, once again, is cash affected? In this case, no, because we did it on account. What did we get instead? We got an IOU, and that's what we were going through, the account receivable cycle, obviously. So it's going to be an IOU. Account receivable is our second favorite asset. It's right under cash. It has zero in it currently because we had the last invoice get paid off, back down to zero, and now we're going to increase it with a debit of 14000 So account receivable going to be debited, 14000 increase in the receivable from zero at this point back up to 14000 What's the credit going to go to? Well, we earned revenue. So revenue is going to be a credit balance account and we're going to earn revenue. So it's going to go up. Therefore, we're going to do the same thing to it. Remember that revenue only goes in one direction for the most part goes in the credit direction. So it goes up with a credit. The journal entry is a debit to accounts receivable, credit to revenue. That's our typical journal entry. When we make a sale on account, we're focusing in on the receivable now. And we're saying that the receivable went up by 14,000. If we look at the GL, then and we look at the, the, the T account for the GL and just look at the activity for what we have done so far. We have a debit for the last transaction, 35. Then we have a credit for the payment that we got paid for 35, bringing it back down to zero, our balance. And now we've got another 14 debit. And so the debits are now winning by 14,000 because it's a debit balance account being an asset. And therefore the balance is 14,000, that balance being represented on the trial balance. 
We also need to record that in the subsidiary ledger, the new thing we're doing here. And that's going to be recorded by customer. So remember, we have Smith has some activity in there, but his activity is a debit or his or her active debit of 35,000 credit to 35,000 back to zero. And now we've got Adams who has a debit of 14,000 leaving a balance of 14,000. So when we add them all together, meaning the only one with a balance now is Adams, that's going to be the 14,000. That then, of course, ties out to the general ledger, but that ties out to the trial balance. Next transaction we're going to happen. We're going to say that we have another invoice. So we sent out another invoice. We haven't got paid yet that 14000 We're going to send out another invoice. That's what we do in the uh, receivable cycle here, in the uh, revenue cycle. And this one's for 27000 And this one is going out to Ryan. So we're going to send out an invoice to Ryan, 27000 And what's going to be the transaction? Well... Is cash affected? No, we sent it out on account. Therefore, we're going to hit our second favorite account, that account being accounts receivable, also an asset right under cash. It has a debit balance. We're going to debit it again, increasing it. What will that do to the activity? Well, we had 14000 in it. We're debiting it 27000 doing the same thing to it. Therefore, the balance is 41000 How about the other side? Well, we sent out the invoice because we earned money. Therefore, it's going to go to sales or revenue. So we got the revenue account income statement has a credit balance that always goes up in the credit direction for the most part. It's going to go up again by that 27000 So we're debiting account receivable again, crediting revenue again, and we know that that's going to bring the account receivable balance up to 41000 If we just looked at the trial balance, we'd say, okay, we got 41000 You can just imagine if you talked to uh, the owner of the company and they said, you know, who owes us money? How much do they owe us? They owe us 41000 The next question is going to be, well, who owes us the money? And how outdated has it, and have we called them yet to try to get that 41000 And, of course, what do we need to know that? The subsidiary ledger. We need some subsidiary ledger that's broken out, not by date, but by customer. All right, so we're going we're gonna to recap the two ledgers again. First, the general ledger, and then we'll go to the subsidiary ledger. So the general ledger, we're recapping the activity. we got our T account just related to accounts receivable, big red T, just going through the activity that we have so far. We had a debit of 35000 and then we got that paid off of 35,000 bringing the balance back down to zero. Then we have a debit of 14,000 bringing the balance back up to 14,000. And then we have another debit of 27,000 and that brings the balance up to 41,000. You can also think about it that the debits are always winning. You can think about it this way, the 35 plus the 14 plus the 27 minus the 35,000 credits, the debits added up minus the credits added up means the debits are winning by 41,000. The debits will always win because it's a it's an asset account. They have to win. If they somehow don't win, it, it probably is flipping to a liability. So we have forty one thousand there. We got forty one thousand of trial balance. We also need to know who owes us money. Therefore, we're going to break it out by customer in the new thing called the subsidiary ledger. So remember the subsidiary ledger. We had Smith that had thirty five thousand, and then he paid off the thirty five thousand. Now back down to zero. We had Adams thirty fourteen thousand. Adams still owes fourteen thousand. Hasn't paid it yet. Ryan, now, we're recording the new activity, that 27000 So we have 27000 then in Ryan under the subsidiary ledger. So if we add up all the clients, Smith's zero, uh, 27000 for Ryan, and Adam's 14, the total subsidiary ledger by customer, then ties out to the 41000 on the general ledger, which ties out to the 41000 on the trial balance, and, of course, that being the point. One, another transaction here, we're going to say we received the cash on account from Adam's, that's the 14000 So now Adams has now paid us. And we're going to say, is cash affected? Yeah, we received 
cash. So cash is affected, it's going up, cash is the debit balance. We're going to do the same thing to it in order to make it go up. Therefore, we're going to debit cash, cash is going to be debited. What's the credit going to go to if we received a check in the mail? You might think they paid us because we earned revenue, but we earned revenue in the past, of course, in their normal kind of process, in this type of process where we invoice and then we get the check in the mail. It's going to be that we're going to credit the receivable account. So the receivable account representing the fact that people owe us money. Now they gave us money. Now they don't owe us the money because cash went up and the account right under it, the receivable, the two assets are changing. Cash going up, the receivable going down. The receivable was on the books for 41000 We will credit it by the 14 we received, bringing the total balance down to 27000 So the deb so the journal entry is going to be a debit to cash, credit to accounts receivable. Cash is going up 14000 Accounts receivable is going down 14000 Accounts receivable is now left with 41,000 minus the 14 or 27,000. Let's look at the activity on the general ledger again. So general ledger is recapping what has happened. General ledger just for accounts receivable. Remember we started off with 35,000 invoice, then that 35,000 was paid. So debit of 35 for the invoice, credit 35 for the check we received in the mail, back down to zero. Then we debited 14,000 for an invoice that went out, bringing the balance up to 14. And then we debited 27000 for an invoice that went out, bringing the balance up to 41000 Now we're going to credit 14000 because we received a check in the mail, bringing the balance back down to twenty-seven. And you can also think about it this way. You can say all the debits, 35000 plus 14000 plus 27000 and all the credits, 35000 plus 14, if we add those up and subtract the debits from the credits, the debits will be winning or will have more debits by 27,000 because the debits always win. If we think about the subsidiary ledger, remember that doesn't tell us who owes who who we who owes us money. It just means that someone owes us 27,000 still and we need the subsidiary ledger to know who owes us the 27,000 so we can like call them and see what's going on with that. So we have remember Smith had 35,000 that was invoiced but uh, Smith was paid off and then Adams uh had 14,000 and that's who just paid us. Adams did. So Adams is good now. Adams back down to zero. Ryan is the one that had the 27000 That's the one still outstanding. And that's the latest one. So that's kind of what we would expect. I'm not sure if it's past due for Ryan yet. But, you know, we might want to check in on it and see if it's okay there. So that's basically how that's going to work. Notice that if we added up the accounts receivable subsidiary ledger now, we would have zero for Smith, zero for Adams owed, and Ryan owes 27000 that then ties out to the 27000 on the general ledger. That ties out to the 27000 on the trial balance. Moving on to the same types of transactions for the subsidiary ledger, but this time not talking about accounts receivable, but accounts payable, the other account that needs a subsidiary ledger in a similar way. Why? Because what is accounts payable? That's what we owe. And what do we need to know in order to pay those people? Who do we owe the money to? So we need to, we got the similar problem. We got the trial balance will show us the amount owed, and we are going to need more detail in terms of a subsidiary ledger, in this case, breaking out that amount owed, not by date, as the general ledger does, but by, in this case, vendor. And remember that term, it's going to come up a lot, so if vendor's not familiar to us, that's who we purchase from, so we purchase from the vendors. Okay, so we're going to say the first transaction, we purchase supplies on account from Office Depot. So that's going to be the transaction, we're going to say, first record the, the journal entry, so is cash affected? And we're going to say no because we purchased it on account. That's the point. It's going to go through accounts payable. But I'm not going to think about accounts payable first. I'm going to think about what we received because we probably deal with liabilities less 
So I would often think about what did we get? We got supplies. If I look at our trial balance, supplies is up in the asset area. And assets, I have a debit balance. We bought more of them. Therefore, it's going to go up. How do we make something go up? We do the same thing to it, which in this case is a debit. So we're going to debit supplies for, in this case, uh, $680. That's how much we pay or we charged. <laughs> and then we're going to credit something for $680. And that then will be the accounts payable. We're not going to decrease the cash with the credit. We're going to increase the accounts repayable. And that's, again, a little bit longer for people to, to figure out that uh, increase accounts payable, a liability with a credit. But that's because the accounts payable is a credit balance. We're going to make it go up by doing the same thing to it, which in this case will be another credit. So we know we got the 680 on the trial balance, or if we just think about that account, we got 680 in it, but we're going to need to track who we owe it to. That's where the accounts payable subsidiary ledger will come in handy. Let's first take a look at the general ledger, though. So the general ledger for accounts payable, we have a T account just related to accounts payable. You can imagine the bright red T, accounts payable, debits on the left, credits on the right. We're going to add the credit, the only credit we have at this point, 680 bringing the balance up from zero to a positive 680 credit. So remember, we're going up in the credit direction in this case. And then we're also going to do the same thing for the accounts payable subsidiary ledger broken out by vendor. Only one vendor in this case, that vendor being Office Depot. So we're going to say Office Depot has their T account within the subsidiary ledger, and we're going to credit Office Depot for 680 so now the accounts payable subsidiary ledger has off has the 680 for Office Depot. The general ledger has 680 and the trial balance has 680. Next thing, we're going to say that uh, we paid Office Depot for the purchase of office supplies. So now we're going to pay off what is owed. So we can ask our questions for the journal entry. Is cash affected? Yes, it is. We said paid. We said paid. Therefore, we're going to pay with cash. Cash is a debit balance account. We're going to make it go down by doing the opposite thing to it which in this case will be a credit. So we're going to credit cash for the 680. We're going to debit what? Why are we paying cash? Because we bought supplies, but we bought supplies in the past. And now we're paying off kind of like the credit card or whatever. We're paying off the balance. And so that's the accounts payable. So accounts payable had 680 in it. We are going to debit the accounts payable, making it go down because that would be doing the opposite thing to it, making the 680 go down to zero. So cash is going to go down. We're going to debit accounts payable. We're going to credit cash. That means cash is going to go down with a credit. Accounts payable is going to go down with a debit. If we look at the accounts payable and we look at the general ledger first, analyze the activity that has happened, accounts payable, general ledger, by date, we know that the first thing that happened is we uh, bought the supplies on account and we credited 680, bringing the balance up to 680. Now we're paying off. We can imagine writing a check, sending the check out, and that's going to be a debit to the accounts payable. And the debit's going to bring it back down because it's a credit balance account. The credits are always going to win or else it'll be zero as it is now back down to zero. In the accounts payable subsidiary ledger, we also need to record who we paid by vendor. So the vendor is Office Depot in this case. So if we think about Office Depot's little uh, T account in the accounts payable subsidiary ledger, they had a credit of the 680. Now we're paying it off. So we're paying off the 680. There's the debit bringing it back down to zero. So now the accounts payable subsidiary ledger is at zero because no, we don't owe anybody any money, which is nice. And the general ledger is at zero and the trial balance is two at zero. Next transaction, we're going to say we received auto service on account to be paid in the future for a auto. Okay, so we've got auto service and I'm assuming we got kind of billed for the auto service. So we're going to ask the questions, is cash affected? 
We're going to say no because we haven't paid it yet. We've got it on account at this point. And therefore, we know it's going to be accounts payable. Sometimes, I guess, I still think it's easier to think about what we received. In this case, receiving some kind of auto service. If we looked through our accounts, we would see auto expense probably or something like that. It is an expense rather than an asset because we're not going to put it in the assets because we are using up the resource rather than having something that's going to extend the life of the asset. So we're putting it down in the expense area. So expenses have debit balances. They really only go up in the debit direction. Therefore, we're going to debit the auto expense by the 320. If we debit the auto expense, we're going to credit something. That credit something will be the accounts payable. So accounts payable is going to be credited. So we're going to debit auto expense, credit accounts payable. That's going to increase auto expense. It's going to decrease net income. Accounts payable is going to increase. Remember last time we left off at zero because we had a bill and then we paid it off. Now we have another bill. That's going to increase the accounts payable in the credit direction. If we look at the GL to kind of analyze everything that's happened thus far, we've got the accounts payable. T there, big red T. First, we have the credit of 680 uh, for that first bill that we had. Then we paid off that bill, 680, debiting it, bringing it back down to zero. Now we've got another bill of 320 so we're going to credit accounts payable 320 bring it up from zero to 320 the other way you can think about it is if you add up all the debits you have 680 and if you add up the credits you have 680 plus 320 thereby meaning that the credits are winning by the 320 and that's always going to happen in that the credits will always win because it's a liability counts and they always credits always win on liabilities because it's a normal credit balance all right, what's going to happen on the subsidiary ledger? Remember what happened last time? We had Office Depot that we had 680, and then we paid it off, bringing it back down to zero. Now we've got A Auto build. Therefore, the credit to A Auto is going to go 320 in A Auto's T accounts. We can imagine the T. We are in the credit for A Auto vendor. If we add up all the vendors, we've got Office Depot zero, A Audit 320, A Auto 320, with a total of 320. That ties out to the 320 in the general ledger. That ties out to the 320 on the trial balance. Next transaction, we're going to say that we had an event at Outback Steakhouse and they billed us for $640. So in this transaction, we're going to go through our normal process. We're going to say, is cash affected? And in this case, we're going to say, no, cash is infected because uh, we bought it on account again. Therefore, the account that will be affected will be accounts payable. But like I would normally look at what we received first again and what did we get? We've got meals and entertainment possibly. So we could put it into the expense account of meals and entertainment on the income statement. Expense accounts all have debit balances. They generally only go one way. They go up and therefore we're going to debit the meals and entertainment. Then the credit then will go to accounts payable. So accounts payable previously had the 320 in it we're going to increase it in this case by the 640 in the credit direction bringing it up to 600 uh, 960 so we're debiting accounts we're debiting meals and entertainment we are crediting accounts payable bringing the accounts payable up from 320 to 960 so let's analyze that and see because we're going to need to know who do we owe which vendor do we owe let's break this out and see the activity first from the general ledger so we got the general ledger for accounts payable. The activity that has happened, first we had that bill for 680, which was a credit to accounts payable. Then we paid it off. So we paid it with cash, bring it. So we're going to debit accounts payable by the 680, bringing the balance down to zero. Then we had a bill for 320, bringing the balance back up in the credit direction, 320. Then we had a, now we have a bill of 640, 
Again, we're going to credit accounts payable. That's going to increase the accounts payable. So remember, the credits are going to increase the accounts payable. Credits always win on the accounts payable. That brings the general ledger up to the 960. If we think about the subsidiary ledger, remember the activity that happened on the subsidiary ledger thus far. We had Office Depot that was a vendor that we owed. We had a bill of 680. Then we paid off that bill, so we don't owe Office Depot any longer. Then we had A Auto that had a bill of 320. We still owe that 320. And now we've got Outback Steakhouse that has given us a bill of the 640. So we owe 640 there. So Office Depot, zero, 640, Outback Steakhouse, and then A Auto, 320. That will add up to that 960 that is owed at this time. So the uh, accounts payable subsidiary ledger ties out to the general ledger, and that ties out to the accounts payable on the trial balance. Next transaction. So now we're going to say that, that we paid Outback Steakhouse for the invoice, paying off that 640. So now if we're going to pay it off, we can ask our normal questions to record the transaction. We're going to say, is cash affected? And we're going to say, yeah, cash is affected because we paid cash in this, in this case. Cash has a debit balance. We're going to make it go down. So we're going to do the opposite thing to it and credit cash. So we're going to put cash on the bottom because it's going to be a credit in our journal entry of 640. That means we're going to have to debit something. What are we going to debit? And again, you might say, what do we pay for? We pay for meals and entertainment to Outback. But we already recorded it last time. We're paying off the accounts payable this time. So we're going to debit the accounts payable. We're going to debit accounts payable 640. We're going to credit cash 640. What's that going to do to accounts payable? Well, accounts payable has 960 in it. It has a credit balance. If we debit it by 640, that's the opposite thing to it as what it is, which will therefore make it go down to 320. So let's analyze that on the general ledger and talk about what has happened so far. We had the first bill, credit 680, bring the balance up to 680. We paid off that bill, 680, debiting the general ledger, 680, bringing the balance down to zero. We had another bill, 320, crediting accounts payable, 320, bringing the balance back up to 320. Then we had another bill, 640, and we credited accounts payable for 640, bringing the balance up from 320 to 960. And now we're paying off 640. So now we're going to debit accounts payable for 640, bringing the balance down from 960 credit down by the 640 debit to 320. That will be a credit balance in accounts payable. So if you think about it this way, you could say that the credits add up to 680, 320, and 640 added up, and the debits are 680 and 640. Therefore, the credits are winning by 320. So you can think of it kind of like a foot race like that. We already know who's going to win. The credits are going to win. It's just a matter of by how much they will win. If we think about the subsidiary ledger then, we have the activity that has happened thus far. We have the Office Depot. We put the bill on for Office Depot 680. Then we paid that bill 680. We don't owe Office Depot anything. Auto, the A Auto for the auto service. We had a bill for 320. We haven't paid them yet. So we still owe that 320. Outback Steakhouse, they billed us for 680, and we already paid that off for the 640, so we don't owe them anything anymore. So all we owe in terms of the subsidiary ledger is 322 A Auto. That's the 320 that ties out to the general ledger, and that of course also ties out to the trial balance. The accounts receivable subsidiary ledger and the accounts payable subsidiary ledger are going to be most of the, two of the most common and most important subsidiary ledgers. When you move to software, 
then you're often going to be looking at it from the reverse angle, meaning you're going to be looking at the, you're not going to be going from the journal entry and then building up to the end result. You're often going to be looking at the trial balance and saying, here's what we have in receivable, here's what we have in payable, and then running reports such as similar to subsidiary ledgers, which will break that number out by uh, vendors or by customer. Now, when we think about software, we can do it in a lot more kind of specialized way. We can have it by vendor and customer, and we can also have it by vendor and customer and how, how past and due the reports are. But the point is that we need both of that information, and we put that information into a database program. Most systems will not let you uh, post to the receivable account or the payable account without applying to a vendor or a customer because the system wants to make this subsidiary ledger type information.